Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam and Rhiannon. Guys, how are you doing today? Good. So I have something to tell you guys, and and I don't want you to judge me for it, all right? Is it that you're wearing a pink leisure suit, apparently? It's not pink, that's red. (laughs) Okay, keep going. That's what the that's what the description says. I'm starting to like Venom. The movie? Yes, the movie. Really? What what caused this to happen? I I have rewatched it twice now. It was good. It was substantially better than when I saw it in theaters. Um, and then I watched it the third time, and the third time I'm like, I, I don't know. It, it's just so damn goofy, and, and a. Fr- I hope they planned for it to be goofy. Um, I think they planned for it to be goofy. I can see past like the whole. I didn't. Carlton Drake still still a puke, but I mean Tom Hardy wants to get past his voice, whatever that accent is. I did, and I, I've li- I liked it more the second time, and I liked it a hell of a lot more than the third time. So I'm gonna watch it the fourth time, and maybe I'll fall in love. I don't know. But it's almost a sickness now. Like, I'm itching to watch Venom again. By, like, five or six rewatches, you'll be writing fan fiction and, like... Be careful with the fanfic, because that might end up being the sequel um, screenplay. I'm just saying, it's roughly that level of screenplay in the first place, so... I don't know, man. I mean, like, I've... It's been very interesting to me. I love seeing what properties catch certain people. And it's been a very interesting subset that Venom, like, has loved Venom. Like, people reading. And and the Venom fanfic scene, I haven't read any. But people love just shipping Venom with, what's his face, Tom Hardy. Like, his, his host... Like symbiote and host, and I don't even get like I, that. That could be like a whole other podcast of like the gross relationship. Well, I mean, like the gross relationships and fanfic, but you know, like whatever. There's, there's your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. But like, anyways, I liked Venom the first time around. So Adam, you don't always have to be a hater. And it's it's okay to like things. I know. I'm just saying. I, I'm starting to really, really enjoy it. So that is my confession for this episode. Well, and I'm really. I mean, you guys. Like, I mean, I've never hid that I'm a Daredevil fan, but I'm just like starting to just whatever be on the Save Daredevil campaign. Like, you guys probably noticed I've been sharing a lot more of that. Have I, you? I haven't even paid attention. Well, I've at least shared all of your articles. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You, the, uh, I'm not sure if I should say that. The hashtag Save Daredevil campaign is currently keeping me employed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Oh, wait. Were you about to say that I was keeping you employed, like, when I share your articles? I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. You, 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 you fans are um, a rabid bunch. Hashtag Brooklyn we'll Bump. That. I'll just say, I still think Venom's crap, and... Daredevil can be canceled, and that's all right with me. So I'm the negative guy on the show. That's okay. I can live with that. We want to encourage you guys to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, we do have a new supercut coming very, very soon. I think the patrons 
We'll have that available um, before, <gasps> by the time this pod hits, you'll have that in your Patreon account and it'll hit the real internet soon after that. So definitely keep track of that. If you want to be part of our patron Patreon account, I'm getting where I can't even say those things anymore. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash Marvel news desk is the place to check that out. And we're real excited to show you the next supercuts. All right. We're going to jump into the news. Uh, first bit of news I've got is apparently a young Avengers film is in some level of production. Uh, we're hearing that the crew that they're talking about is pretty much the crew you'd expect. Uh, Hulkling, Wiccan, Hawkeye, as in Kate Bishop Hawkeye, some version of the Vision, Iron Lad, Pat- um, Patriot, Stature. Uh, does this get you guys excited or is this something that you really don't care to see? Some, I, I mean, we've talked about it before. Some version of Champions or Young Avengers is inevitable. Um, it's a matter of time. I'm not sure if they'll call it Young Avengers, if they call it Avengers Academy, if they call it Champions or what. Um, but I mean, at some point, they're going to have to do something with that. Um, as far as the team lineup, I do have a lot of questions, especially. Are we talking about any of the Disney Plus stuff? We're about to talk about that, but yeah, go ahead and okay. you can allude well, to it all, the, all you'd like. Some of it, I mean, like the the Kate Bishop part of Young Avengers and the Vision stuff, obviously, obviously, n- not all of the stuff that has leaked out in the past week is accurate. Um, and there's just a lot of little finicky nitpicky stuff you know from me especially with kate bishop if they introduce her surely they won't introduce her in a hawkeye show which seems like it's gaining traction um first before a young avengers movie um but who knows i guess i yeah i mean i'm like i'm with adam like there's a lot of stuff that's leaked out recently and some of it has to be wrong but this one we've kind of always felt was coming so this one i have an easier time believing um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Kate Bishop. It also should be noted that, I mean, I'm pretty sure Feige's gone on record saying that if they haven't done a power pack movie, um, you know, they've thought about it. Oh, there, there's a power pack script somewhere, right? That was one of kind of like what they developed with runaways and stuff previously, maybe. That sounds right. I, I might be making stuff up. Um, but I mean, power pack is something they could fit in with Young Avengers, even though it even seems Power Pack would be young, geared towards an even younger audience than YA, I guess. Yeah, I've been reading Power Pack. Uh, we bought, like, the first few, like, the trade paperback of the first issues of that for our kids, and that would totally be, like, a PG, like, kid movie. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I think it, I do think it's slightly different, you know. Power Pack reminds me of like Homeward Bound, you know, like the movies with like the voice dubbed live action animals type stuff. I don't know why Power Pack reminds me just that kind of storyline or that kind of the audience, I should say. Well, so do you think, I mean, with the with the success of Into the Spider-Verse and Disney's definitely capable of doing animation, do you think they go into feature film animation? So here, I mean, personally, here's my thoughts on the situation. I put it on Twitter a while back. I would have no problem at all with Disney 
ceding the rights, animation rights, to every single character in the book to Sony in exchange for the whole Spider-Man library. Obviously, that's totally a lopsided thing with money and box office, and I know Caleb probably doesn't like the idea and so on. But I mean, especially after Spider-Verse, doing like a Doctor Strange animated movie in the same vein, oh, I would love that. But it'll never happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marvel's animated stuff has been pretty, uh, not as good. I mean, especially with DC kills almost every single movie they release, I guess. I mean, I've mentioned this before. Disney did make a good Marvel animated movie with big hero six. It was just a property that people don't think of as a Marvel property. Um, but I don't. I would love to see Feige and Marvel Studios team up with, you know, Pixar or Disney to do a, you know, like a power pack movie would be perfect, but make it in universe. Like, I don't think because it's animation, it does like it has to not be part of uh, continuity. And again, I'm a big nerd that loves the Clone Wars and some of the stuff they've done with Star Wars. And so I'd have no problem and I'd be excited to see the possibilities of, um, you know, a power pack in continuity cartoon movie. So I think that would be fun. Right. That is a good point. And they just announced yet another one, right? Like resistance. It's almost like an anime type. Uh, yeah, it's cartoonish. It's, it's bad. Oh, you've seen it. It's not that good. Yeah, It's been out for a little while. Uh, it's back to the young Avengers thing. The thing I don't like, I don't want a young Avengers team. That's just like, it's like the original six Avengers, but they're younger. Like, cause it feels like they're like, Oh, Hawkeye. Okay. Bishop Hawkeye. Uh, okay. We have to replace cap. Oh, Patriot. Uh, replace Iron Man, Iron Lad, uh, Hulk, Hulkling, you know, like there's kind of the, even with like Ant-Man and stature and lesser. So like Wiccan replacing Dr. Strange, I would like the idea of a team that's, a little different. I think that's one of the things I like about champions is that it has some things that aren't just knockoffs of the heroes we already have, but in that same vein, I mean, that's totally kind of has the Marvel studios imprint slapped all over it. Right. I mean, we, it's not the villain problem, but I mean, that's kind of what we always tend to get. Right. Is the bad version of the superhero, like Killmonger and, Caecilius and Obadiah Stane and so on and so forth. So it would make sense should they go that route. All right. You talked a little bit about Disney streaming or Disney plus Uh, this week. We've gotten a a ton of rumors about what supposedly is happening with Disney streaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're going to play a little game. I'm going to read some of the rumor, talk about the rumor and we'll put it somewhere on a scale of Kevin Feige is currently working on it and a 12-year-old wrote that in their basement. Right? <laughs> somewhere in that scale because I think we got a little bit of both here. Uh, first right. rumor, Scarlet Witch and Vision will be somewhat based on the Tom King version with an emphasis on like a suburban psychological thriller. 14. <laughs> I mean, I just saw no, it. I heard good. Tom yeah. King and got excited. 14. <laughs> I mean, so... I mean, it's happening. We know it's happening. I just, yeah. the plots, what's the But that question? was like a legit rumor. Um, That's happening. Well, I mean, the show itself. But the Tom King rumor. Right. I mean. Came from our buddy Charles, didn't it? 
I think he said he's heard that it's a rumor somewhere. Yeah, I think it's all stemming from the one thing, and it's compounded. And I'm pretty sure I said this on the pod way back when, but there was a time last year where Tom King had tweeted he went off the grid for a little bit because he was working on a TV project. Um, so that's kind of the the compounded things. I brought it up to some other people and other people said, no, nah, I don't think that's possible because he has a DC exclusive contract, but that doesn't make sense because pretty sure that only covers comic books. What I love about this idea is it makes sense as far as there are Vision and Scarlet Witch comic books historically, but it's not like anyone knows any of those comic books or that there's like a seminal run. Like Tom King's Vision is the most known sort of Vision standalone story. Right. So it would make total sense to me that that's where they would go for inspiration. Right. And even if, I mean, I think the whole crux of that is it's not necessarily even Viv and Vin. Uh, it's more of going to the suburbs and trying to be normal. You know, he's trying to be human when he's not. The setup is there, you know. Obviously, I think, you know, Vision's obviously going to come back in Endgame. Um, perhaps without the Mind Stone. Uh, and, you know, with with the current political climate and all that stuff, if they base the show kind of in DC, obviously they would probably tap into the human-robot relationship kind of, which I think one of the rumors kind of alluded to, I guess, um, an actual physical sexual relationship between Scarlet Witch and Vision. Is there something going on in Washington, D.C. right now that has something to do with robot sex? I was a little confused. Well, I was just saying that the, you Twitter, man, you know, they'll, I mean, it's, it's uh, the <laughs> Just climate. the way you said it, you're like, with the climate, I just think they're going to move into the physical relationship. And I'm like, what? What are we talking about? Well, you know, it's, it's the, it's a metaphor, you know, it's. Something, I don't know. It's, I would totally be on board for something like that. I think both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are, are very good actors, and they would. But then that comes to, it brings back the, I'm not saying necessarily rated R, um, but I, the tone I picture, I guess I don't picture with the same vibe as... What else is going to be on Disney Plus, right? I mean, I picture a psychological thriller with a, a creeping score and things of that nature, you know. Um, I, but who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll do that. I don't know. All right, our next rumor and one that has caused our friend Charles Murphy much pain and suffering. Apparently, uh, the Loki show may be uh, basically the story of young Loki as a child growing up. And just narrated by Tom Hiddleston. And the villains, uh, the rumor, this is not Charles Murphy, the rumored villains are Ulick and Camilla, which means absolutely nothing to me because I don't know that much about Thor. Uh, Rhiannon, uh, do you have any thoughts on the idea of a young Loki story and the Twitter kerfuffle that has ensued? <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Tom Holland, I think from the beginning of the time that we heard about Loki getting a series, we're like, Tom Holland's expensive. I mean, he's a big actor getting him in and getting all of that. And how does... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Tom God. Hiddleston. 
Uh, That's okay. <laughs> God, yeah. Holland, too. Tom Holland's probably expensive, too. I mean, um, sorry, guys. Um, Hiddleston. I, I mean, I think we've all wondered how a Loki series would work with Hiddleston and his, I mean, just in general. Um, and continuity, because, I mean, as far as we know, Loki is dead. Um so doing a young Loki doing that series it makes a lot of sense to me um, I hope Charles I haven't seen how much Charles has had to put up with I, I, I think it's an interesting twist I think plenty of people have pointed out that we get to see the snake incident if they go that route seeing a young Thor would be cute too um, I don't know that would be an interesting twist and it would make me feel less like there. I, I mean, I don't know. There's something about this idea of them throwing out all these little series that are just like side projects from the movies that just feels like they're milking it or that they're trying to do something too much. Like going and doing a completely different story like that to me makes it seem different. Like it'll make sense why it's not in a movie. Uh, yeah. So when it comes to these Disney Plus shows, I mean, I think. So there's so many, like Shrek said, the Disney Plus service is kind of like an onion, right? There's there's so many layers involved. Um, you know, part of me says if it's if it's going to be a show on Disney Plus, it's either going to be a prequel or it's going to those characters. I mean, those characters are probably done in movies, right? If they're heading to Disney Plus, I mean, in the case of Vision and Scarlet Witch, I mean, uh, an eight episode limited series is still damn near a trilogy. It essentially is, right? I, I don't know. I don't think we have any idea how this is going to work as far as reentry and right. Movies. And that's the thing. There, there's so many moving parts. I mean, with Loki, it makes sense to go this route, and I understand how important uh, Loki is to some people. But at the end of the day, Loki still is a fictional character. And there's going to be multiple people portraying that character. Um, so I'm not opposed to this youth thing at all. I mean, what are, what's fandom going to do? What happens, you know, God forbid someone gets in a, an accident or someone passes away? You know, I mean, obviously it's kind of apples and oranges. But you they're fictional characters. I mean, they're these actors are replaceable, right? When it comes to these streaming shows, the big thing for me, and I was I was gonna maybe talk about this later, but I'll talk about it now. My concern with it is it can't be what you just said, Adam, where the streaming services are all about characters who are kind of taken out of continuity. If 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 streaming if the Disney Plus stuff is just like ABC where once you go there, you can't come back to the movies, you know, like it's a one-way trip. It's going to cheapen and make these shows not so interesting. Like we've talked about how there's a huge gap between Spider-Man the summer and then Black Widow the May after. And so it's like, oh, well, there's going to be Disney streaming stuff. That'd be great if it's stuff that continues the story of the MCU proper. But... You know, if these guys, if it's just the dumping ground for the characters the films are done with, I'm not excited about that. Like, that's not going to get me pumped up. So, I see that. But so, what happened? 
what's that matter if Black Widow's a prequel movie? You know, what's what happens so... I mean, using what you just said, what happens if... I mean, it doesn't really matter where these stories take place in the timeline, I guess. You know, because obviously Captain Marvel's the earliest movie, or the earliest in the MCU timeline. Well, you know, without, with the exception of Cap 1 and stuff. It's before previous It has movies. to drive then, the narrative, though. So, like, First Avenger was a flashback movie, but it introduced us to the Tesseract... And at, frankly, the first Infinity Stone, and it kicked off that storyline, and it got us ready for Avengers. And Captain Marvel is a throwback movie, but it's going to show us things that we know are going to have a significant impact on Endgame. If it's a throwback, just to be like, "Oh, hey, here, this is a fun thing," I just, I don't know. I'm not that excited about it. I'm, I mean, it, there's still a lot of story to tell. I mean, if they adapt. Tom King and Gabe Walta's vision, you know, that's something to get excited about, Depend no matter where it goes on the line. I mean, if they say, hey, we're doing a Darkhawk movie, or, well, in your case, what happens if they did Black Bolt and Medusa, or something like that? You know, I mean, it, could, it very well could be a situation. I mean, Feige even said it himself, it could be um, a place where they put the stuff that they have never been able to do before. You know, maybe characters that can't hold an actual movie franchise. But, I mean, if they introduce, like, Taskmaster or Darkhawk or Night Thrasher or any of these other corny 90s characters on Disney+, Plus, I fully expect them not to make the jump to movie theaters. At least Vision, you know, I mean, he's still a recent addition, but I don't... I mean, especially if he doesn't have an Infinity Stone with him, you know, it almost seems like he's already almost kind of run his course. He certainly can't have a film franchise of his own. All right, we've got to keep going. I've got so many of these rumors. I'm going to throw them all out at once now, and you just tell me which things sound real and which sound stupid. Uh, there was talk, more talk about a Hawkeye series, and again, that Kate Bishop would be introduced in it. Um, there was... Uh, Bucky Falcon uh, suggestion that uh, Agent 13 would return and that maybe the bad guy would be U.S. agent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> news that um, just the amount of laughter as I say these things will tell you what I think of them. Uh, there's also a bigger rumor that Lady Sif is going to be getting her own show and that the villain would be Enchantress. And then there was talk about a War Machine show. Um I don't know any of these things interesting to you all. You're only half done with it, man. It's like you basically this week, every character in a Marvel movie was rumored to have a show. Right. And C, Which right. and half of the C Adam? characters. Uh, right. So you missed Rocket and Groot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you missed Nebula and Gamora. Oh, that's right. Yep. And Okoye. <laughs> that's right. Okoye. And uh, what were the other ones? Oh, they mentioned two that have yet to debut in live action. And I would be so stoked for both of them. The old MK and the old Robert Reynolds himself. Oh, yeah. Moon the Golden Century. Guardian of Good. Yeah. Also, today we got this covered, I think, suggested there's an X-Men show in development at Disney Streaming. <sighs> Which is, by the way, just not true. Like, let's just put it out there. This is patently, obviously not correct. There is no way in the world that Disney streaming has any significant plans for the X-Men 
based on what, we, unless everybody who's told us about the legal stuff is all full of it. And one of them's in the live stream and I know he's not like, there's just no way that they're developing an X-Men live action show for Disney. Right. Family. And then there is another point in that vision in the Scarlet, Witch. they did say, um, Agatha Harkness was, would be, be in there. And they were like, I and Francis McDormand for it. Except Agatha is also currently a Fox character. So, I mean, at this point, we do know, really, the only show we know is happening is Loki, right? Because Bob Iger himself said that they're doing a Loki show. And then trades have reported on Vision and Scarlet Witch, and trades have reported on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, But outside of that, everything is strictly rumors. Um, And I'm pretty sure... The site you just mentioned that reported the X-Men shows gets their um, their source as one person. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, they're pitching stuff. and I, The service launches in 2019, and you best believe it's not just going to launch with Jon Favreau's The Mandalorian. Unless they do, which I think would be bizarre. I mean, either THR deadline reported that I think both Falcon and Vision were 2019 releases. Well, I know if at least they said Vision and Scarlet Witch was a 2019 release. Um, but, I mean, as of now, I mean, Loki is the only confirmed show um, from Marvel Studios. Um, what I want to see, all that stuff we listed, pretty much everything besides Lady Sif. Um, I could care less about that character. Or I couldn't care less. And the rumor said Better Ray Bill is going <laughs> to be right. in that. If they stick Better Ray Bill in a Lady Sif Disney Plus show, I'm done. And the Lady Sif rumor makes so no done. sense. I mean, Jamie Alexander has a full TV, like a network TV show. It's not even like she's doing a Netflix show or something where, you know, she'll go for a year without filming. She has a 20-episode season network TV show that she's the star. So unless they know something about that being canceled already, I don't know when she would even be available to do a Lady Sim show. Well, the other thing that stinks about that rumor to me is that they talk about Enchantress as possibly being the villain. I think it was pretty explicitly stated that Feige and crew made the explicit choice to take Hela and Enchantress and effectively merge the characters. Like they gave like a little bit, particularly with the um, use of um, uh, Carl Urban. What's his name? Scourge. Scourge. Right. Like, I mean, they, they purposefully kind of melded those characters. And so it's very hard for me to believe that they're now going to go back to Enchantress after they've already kind of gone to that. Well, and it'll be like, Oh, this is another green lady that's running around and you know, like, Asgard, that part of that rumor seemed very off to me. I think all of these rumors, I started to feel like I was following the Sony movies. Like, at this point, I don't (laughs) follow the links when there's a rumor. I don't care. Um, I shared the Lady Civ one because I actually have some friends that are big Blindspot fans. But at this point, I'm like not even following the links unless it's like deadline variety something serious and um the opposite side of that is i mean some of them you know was starting to get corroborated i guess by several 
kind of sort of reputable tweeters. Tweeple? What's the word? Was, Journalists? I don't, Twitter bloggers. Journalists. Um, no, that's not the word. <laughs> that's definitely not the word. Um, so, I mean, I, I think there is some body to the stuff. I mean, the Loki, the Loki one makes the most sense. The Hawkeye one, you know, if they could get Jeremy Renner on, that does make a lot of sense. Um, but it doesn't match the characters that die, unless Hawkeye, Hawkeye does die in Endgame. Yeah, I think the problem is these rumors are so easy to create right. because you just pick a B-list character. And sort of by definition, we don't have any A-list actors who are in the B-list, you know, like generally like with all due respect to Jeremy Renner, like the people who are in the, who are in the roles of characters that are not getting their own movies are generally not the level of movie star that wouldn't do TV. So you get guys like Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie and, you know, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. And like, these are all people who you could see doing the TV side. And so it just makes sense. Like you could throw any of them out and it would seem sensible to talk about. I mean, I could say, oh, they're going to do a Wong show about uh, his adventures protecting the planet from sorcery or from like magical threats during the time in Infinity War when Doctor Strange is dead. That sounds really logical and really sensible. I just pulled it out of my butt. You know, like, I just feel like these rumors are too easy to create. Right. But, I mean, if you look at what Marvel Studios has done with movies and the risks they've taken with movies, just imagine the risks they're going to take now with streaming. Maybe Disney Plus is a bigger part of their long-term financial existence than anything else. I mean, Disney understands that a lot of their future is in getting the streaming thing right. So I just, I really hope Disney Plus is not the place where they throw eight series out and if four of them are crap, they're okay with it. That would be very depressing. I now want to see this Wong show where he follows Beyonce on her world tour. And in the meantime, like, there are forces out to get her and he ends up having to, like, fight them and stumbles onto an intergalactic plot. Okay, so my Wong pitch would be each episode, like, he gets himself into some trouble and then right as it's about to hit the fan, he slings <laughs> out. Says, oh, no, you guys, you guys take care of it. I got to go, you know, the sanctum's unguarded. I thought it would be a, a food show about turkey on rye or whatever that sandwich is that he wants in Infinity War. Tuna melt, right? Uh, tuna melt, okay. I've not watched I feel like, times. Adam, our two shows could merge and Feige should hire us. I mean, he could be starting right? a Beyonce shows worldwide. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. knew. Man, we're really going slow. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is talking about bringing back Enoch and Piper and adding Anthony Michael Hall. I saw you wrote this up today, Adam. Um, anything else that you want? I, I feel like we should talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. You more. just said you didn't read my stuff. I do read your stuff. What's this? And now, now you do? I'm excited. This is the first S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff we've gotten. I mean, we know that Mark Kolpak said that season six wrapped. Um, and then someone else reported that season seven is starting like next week. Um, but this is the first casting news. Um, then I started digging in. Of course, Enix coming back. I'm like, well, he's dead. Then I realized time travel stuff. And I realized how much I hate thinking about time travel. And of course, Enix going to be back. And, um, and I guess I just assumed Piper would be back. 
Because it seems just about every time you're like, oh, Piper's still a character. She pops up, you know. Um, but yeah, we know nothing about S.H.I.E.L.D. Nothing at all. Um, and clearly it's going to play off of... And that's the thing. It's, it comes out right around Far From Home and is Fury working in the light again? Is Fury, you know, actually the director of It'll S.H.I.E.L.D.? It'll be in space and it won't matter. True. Good point. Shield news. Hooray. Yeah. I was thinking too about the time travel stuff. I'm like, now can they get the living fits out of like, like cryogenic, like sleep or would that mess up him saving them in the future? So they know to come to the past and my brain just started to break. So yeah, I just, I just watch it. Watch it. Go, huh? Okay. It also strains the cred. Uh, if if Endgame really does have time travel, it'll be really kind of interesting for Captain America to be like, "Oh, we discovered time travel," and Coulson's like, "Man, been there, did that two years ago." <laughs> you know, that's kind of fascinating. All right, uh, Captain Marvel had some posters hit today, and uh, the news, uh, the projections are that it could make as much as a hundred and sixty million dollars opening weekend. Rhiannon, are you surprised by those numbers? Did you see the posters? What do you think about Captain Marvel today? I saw the posters. Um, I mean, so here's the sequence. I saw the po- posters. I saw the cat. I mean, I saw Goose. And I was like, of the posters, I think Goose is the only one that's looking at the camera. So I'm all in for the cat. Um and then I saw, like, one of the more feminist voices I follow on Twitter, like, posting that, like, the guys in the Marvel Universe, they do a good job of putting the guys in, like, traditional women poses, where, like, one of the posters, the guy is, like, all arched back and, like, um, in a very, like, sexy, flirty pose. And it wasn't, like, Jude Law. It was, um, I don't remember which one, but, um... I'm really surprised at I mean 160 million's really high for opening, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, like what Black Panther had two. Like I feel no energy about Captain Marvel. Like of my non-nerd friends, like I don't hear anybody excited about it, hyped about it, like talking about talking about the trailers. I just I'm not feeling the hype. So yeah, uh, a really high opening weekend is surprising for me. Yeah. I just thought uh, when I saw the cat poster, I was like, Marvel has reached the the height of arrogance. They have put a genetic or a generic orange cat on a poster and slapped a logo on it. And they're like, it's a movie poster. Put it up in your theaters. I saw that. And I'm like, that looks like it was done. on Photoshop. We need the ladies. That's what I'll, I'll be. I, I should probably take that poster. Like I work with a few cat ladies and just be like, do you want to see this now? And show them the cat. Poster. I cannot wait. I hope to God, that's how Fury loses his eye. I do too. I just hope yes. that's how he loses his eye, and it'll be amazing. Um, the other news this week, which really wasn't news, is basically confirmation, and I say confirmation. Somebody has said that pretty that officially speaking, uh, Multiple Man, the Kitty Pride movie, the Gambit movie, maybe even the X Force movie, 
are not going to get made, that these are in the can as the Fox deal goes forward. Uh, and also there was rumors that Dark Phoenix has gone up to $200 million in cost and reshoots, which is a, a lot of money. Um, this were, these were never going to be made, right? Like, this should be surprising to no one that these things have been canceled. I, the only one that surprised me of the list of cancellations was Dr. Doom. Not because I thought it would continue at this point, but, I mean, Noah Hawley announced that he was making that 18 months ago. And, I mean, I that's, uh, yeah, kind of was interesting to see where Noah Hawley was going to take that. So I think Noah Hawley is kind of in the boat as Adam McKay. I mean, I think Marvel Studios is going to welcome him with open arms with whatever. Um, and then X-Force. I mean, I think X-Force would be a really good um, kind of intro to mutants and stuff. I mean, it's kind of almost seems like the Marvel Studios route. Instead of doing, you know, Dark Phoenix as their intro again, um, you know, an X-Force or some other smaller team seems like a way they would introduce mutants to the MCU. I'd like to see X-Force as the goodbye to the Fox mutant universe as, as it exists, right? Like X-Force is where we wrap up that Deadpool trilogy. He's got time travel ability, so he can just go back and like kill everybody at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, wrap the whole thing up with that. Give people their Drew Goddard Deadpool movie and then move on. All right, let's jump into trailer talk. Uh, we had a major trailer drop this week. We finally have seen some Spider-Man Far From Home stuff. Uh, guys, just what did you think of the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? And we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit. That was way more than I expected. And it was great. I, that's where I'm like that trailer, like I could feel the energy. I was so excited about it. I, it's a level of energy that I expected with the Captain Marvel stuff when, but didn't feel. And, um, the thing with the Spider-Man trailer is I wasn't able to watch as soon as it dropped. I was just able to just sort of like look on Twitter and see what people were saying about it. And it was nothing like, but just like, oh my God, so excited. Like so much excitement over it. Um, So many little plot points everybody was excited about. And then when I finally saw it, it did not disappoint. I'm, I'm not going to refer to Spider-Man as vanilla ice cream this year, you guys. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. I mean, this was the most excited I got after watching the trailer and and sometime. You know, even, I mean, well, was, admittedly, it was hard to get excited over Endgame because they're like, oh, man, everyone's going to die. Um, but this has a whole different aura of hype to it, I guess. It is going to be the perfect palate cleanser after Endgame. Um, there was a lot that went on in the trailer. Um, but like I said on Twitter, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp was certainly a good movie to watch after Infinity War. And this is going to be double or triple of the, what do you call it, the contrast that what we got last year. Um, it's going to make so much money. Being Spider-Man in an MCU sequel, and it's going to make so much money. Well, and it helps that they've got the Spider-Verse thing going now, too. Because the brilliance of their animated Spider-Man stuff is that we just had a Spider-Man movie and it has the perfect balance of, I think, hyping people about the general Spider-Man like mythos, 
by but also not feeling like oh another spider-man you know like they're different enough that it excites people without wearing people out and so i think spider-verse is going to help propel the box office on this one as too right i mean just imagine how how much spider-man stuff sell sold before homecoming you know he is the marvel character and now homecoming and spider-verse and far from home you know he's an invincible at least the character himself the intellectual property good lord so we uh, got to see mysterio both without and with helmet which was nice uh, do we like the design? Are we oh, feeling good about Jake uh, Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, whatever you so think? Oh, good. I want all the. T- I can't wait for that Marvel Legends figure. It's a cro- well. Even Flash says it in the trailer. It's a cross between Thor and Iron Man. And there's even some Doctor Strange runes type thing. And then he has the cloud and the fishbowl. I mean, there were some comments I saw. People are upset about this stuff, but I mean, come on. Just even a few years ago, can you imagine getting that stuff? I mean, it's so crazy what they're doing now. I mean, they're they're giving us Mysterio, and admittedly, I'm not a big Spider-Man fan. Um, but man, he's gonna kill it. I I like I said, I was just so surprised that we got as much as we did, and um, Jake Gyllenhaal. I like that we got the fishbowl but we also got to see that it is jake gyllenhaal um in all of his beauty one thing that is peculiar i mean it feels like i know this entire plot um but i still want to see the movie i think there are a lot of holes you think so you think there's like major twists or something i mean i I think think it's going to i won't call it a twist but obviously there is I have a pretty good feeling about the foot the movie's going to start out on. You know, but I wouldn't say it's a twist by any means. I would just give Sony credit because we, um, in the last one, we thought we had it all figured out. We thought we knew what Homecoming was. And then there was like that record scratch moment where he picks up his date at Michael Keaton's house. And I was like, oh, I didn't know everything about this movie. Right, okay, good point. that's the best twist ever, and I feel so scared now. Like, it's, you know, they managed to do it well last time, so I'm happy enough for this one. I said on Twitter, I was amazed how I love the Peter Parker stuff so much. I'm just as invested in his personal life stuff as I am, like, the comic stuff. Like, I want to see the fights and the action and Mysterio and all that, but I really want to see him and MJ on like a quasi date. And I really want to like see him and his buddies just hanging out watching Italian TV. You know, like they really have sold that sort of 16 candles thing that they went for in a way that I like the kids when there's no Spidey involved. And it's amazing to me that they've done that good of a job. It actually reminded me a little bit. I saw Bumblebee this week. And I was like, well, that was a really good movie when the Transformers weren't in it. And I kind of felt <laughs> right. that way about this trailer. Like, I really like the people and the characters as much as I like Spider-Man, which I think is good for the future of the franchise. Well, you can be over there, you know, shipping Peter and MJ. I'll be over here, you know, being the stand behind Ned and Betty. And I mean, I'm, obviously, everybody wants to know what's up with Happy and Aunt May. Right. Of course. So we got a picture of... 
we can't tell yet if this is actually Hydro Man and Molten Man and Sandman, or if it's just the elementals, or if it's a little bit of both. But there's definitely going to be big CGI monsters that are thrown around sand and dirt and fire. Did you guys like the way those looked? Does that seem interesting to you? Or seems super interesting. Um, the one point I would like to do or point out, um, you know, for being this badass undercover agent that Nick Fury is, I do not know why he and Maria Hill choose to shoot at Sandman with pistols. Like he's forming and he's like this 30 foot, 40 foot monstrosity and they're out in the middle of the road shooting at it. With he's out pistol. of beepers, man. He's right? all out of beepers. <laughs> right. So yeah, those look cool. I mean, I I'm kind of in the boat of everyone else of thinking that they're illusions. Um, whipped up by Mysterio. In which case, shooting at the man that might be behind the illusions would make sense. But he's too fast on his cloud. I'd like him to be a little real. Like, I would love if they connected it to the Doctor Strange kind of world where Mysterio at some point trained in magic, kind of like Benjamin Bratt, you know? And he has, like, a minor level of magic so that he can, like, summon up these things, but not strong magic. Um, cause I just think that would be, I would find that very interesting. Like if a Benedict Cumberbatch secret cameo was snuck into the back of this movie, it would make me very happy. Ooh, yeah. That was rumored at one point. All right. We also have to talk about this. Apparently the, uh, Stark tower is under construction. That certainly has set the internet abuzz. Uh, are you guys thinking Baxter building or Osborne or something else? No, but and that's the thing. I mean, they they're playing a long game with this one very trivial piece of information. Like, what happens if Sony and Marvel don't extend the deal? You know, um, but I would guess it's Oscorp, probably. At this point, it doesn't feel like it's a coincidence or a mistake. I mean, they kind of heavily dr- dropped hints about the building being sold in the first one. And then in the trailer to this one, we get that shot. I mean, something's going down there. It's just a matter of what. Right. It's almost as if he visits it and far from home because he's swinging like away from it of sorts. Yeah. And he's web swinging in Manhattan, which makes me so happy. I don't know if you guys remember me fussing about how he's just in Queens the whole time. Yeah. During the first one. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see him back in skyscrapers. (laughs) Made me so happy to see that. Uh, We've got a special interview now. Adam is the king of getting us good interviews. So, Adam, you want to introduce real quick who we'll be talking to uh, this week on the podcast? We are talking to Josh Beveridge. He is the head of character animation um, for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He is an animation supervisor at Sony Imageworks. So he had worked on, uh, like, Storks, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, um, the Hotel Transylvania uh, movies. Um, and yeah, he uh, served as head of character animation on Spider-Verse, which means he essentially kind of organized all of the animation, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So it's a, it's a good conversation, and uh, we'll listen to that now. First and foremost, we probably should congratulate you. I believe Spider-Verse walked away with four nominations at the VES Awards. Yeah, yeah, that was that was good news yesterday. That was great to wake up to. Right. Well deserved. 
well deserved at that. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to put pretty this excited and proud right now. Spider Verse is the first animated movie I've probably ever attended in theaters. Thinking back on it, so I know little to nothing wow. about the animated production process. I guess you are a supervisor with gotcha. Sony Imageworks, and you served as head of character animation on Spider Verse. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What exactly does the head of character animation do? I mean, what's kind of your role in comparison to, you know, someone doing a live action movie? There isn't really a good uh, parallel there. I always have that question I get a lot, and I always have a hard time explaining it. Um, I'm basically in charge of how things move in our world, the performances, the characters, how we built them. It's my um, it's my responsibility that they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the look, the feel, the lighting, the story, all of those things are, are not my purview. I'm just involved with how things move, the animation. That's specifically when I, when we say animation and head of animation, that's, that's, um, that's my purview. And they, but the job shifts as the project goes on. Like in the beginning, it's all just research and getting into the heads of the director, trying to have a common language and, and working with the production designer and character designer, trying to figure out where our feel and style is and our, our, get the same graphic language. And then we get into the engineering phase and it becomes trying to figure out how to build these characters, how we're going to um, actually make them production ready. And then I crew the team up and, and hire the uh, hire and uh, build the animation team. Um, and then the majority of actual production when we're making the movie and, and is what's going to be on screen. It's, it's all meetings and reviews and, and looking at things and, and talking about how we can push things. Does that gotcha. make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah it does. You mentioned it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of things. There's no one real real direct parallel to to uh, to the live action world. Yeah, you you mentioned a lot about like the mechanics of how the characters move. Obviously, this was a a job where you're not the first group of people to do a Spider-Man cartoon. You've got lots of TV yeah. cartoons. You also have kind of I mean, essentially animation for the CGI that was done in the live action. How much did mm-hmm. you guys look at the way the characters have been animated in the past and, you know, what did you take and what did you ignore? I think we specifically chose not to look at them. We just wanted to not remind anyone of either of those things. We, the mission, the one clear mission statement that Bill Lord and the directors gave from the beginning was that this needed to look like nothing anyone had ever seen before. Figuring out what that was was the, was a giant task, and uh, I, I think I think Phil's actual praise was most badass animation he's ever seen. <laughs> so we had a, a search on that one. And, right, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, like, I think I think we didn't want. I think we wanted to leave between those things. Those were our boundaries. We knew we didn't want to be called a cartoon and we didn't want to be called realistic so those are the two boundaries we're staying away from and we were trying to live between those things pick and choose our favorite elements of both so we can have these really observed dramatic performances that feel impactful and incredibly emotional as as, as, as trying which is our favorite thing from those the drama of realism and then how designy and pushed artistic we could get the things we do and are more cartoon 
uh, world and trying to find a hybrid of a lot of those things. That was, that was, so I don't think we were looking to those worlds um, in animation as, as targets. We were looking at those as boundaries. Gotcha. So obviously, Into the Spider Verse isn't the first ever Spider-Man movie. Um, I mean, was there at any point did you feel a little bit of pressure? Um, you know, did you ever think <laughs> that it would com- compared to you know the Raimi trilogy or the Amazing Spider-Man films? I don't think we were trying to compete with those things, but pressure was absolutely there. I don't think we were trying to draw comparisons to them, but we knew we knew from day one that a lot of people cared, that this was an important project that was going to matter to people. It's weird to say about that about a superhero movie, but it's true. It's really true. And we knew specifically people really cared about Miles Morales, and we put a lot of work into handling that, his origin story, with a lot of care and, and wow factor. And you know, like you're saying, there was a, there's a lot of Spider-Man movies we knew that the first question we'd be asked is why are we making another one? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and our answer part of why we really pushed this look was because it looks like nothing else is going to see. It had to, and that was the demand because we knew we got, we'd get that question before anyone saw anything. We needed it. We knew, we knew we needed a visual wow factor. That's so that was, that was the bar set for us before, um, with in hand with the script. Okay. You've mentioned this idea of, you know, kind of doing something that no one's ever seen before. Um, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, now that this was a home run and that people love the animation style that you guys created for this film. Were there ever like gut checkpoints along the way where you worried that maybe you were being a little too unconventional? Oh, you have no idea. We we lived in fear. Like we had, we uh, it wasn't until the very first teaser trailer came out. Like we, uh, we were so afraid that what we were making was going to look like an accident, or, or or cheap, or or just be divisive and people some a, a large group of people wouldn't like it. There was all all kinds of fears um, you live with, and I think that's coming away with us after the fact with hindsight that's a lesson for me that when you have that much fear that you might not be doing the right thing in art, that means you're probably onto something. Um, that means you're doing something that you haven't seen. And I, I think we, we, these projects take years. So it was, we worked on it for a good year before that first teaser trailer came out. And that was the first things we'd ever, uh, ever um, really done. And that we slaved over those images and when that got a positive response and we knew that there was so much more after that, um, that gave us, that gave us confidence that next day. And then when the, we, we, we fed on the trailer responses that, that um, honed the team. You saw a, a day after shift in attitudes on, from everyone in the crew. And I even remember a bunch of animators saying on the team that like when, cause this whole project was, was, hard. I mean, we were all doing things in a process we'd never worked for. It was a really challenging, creative, and also a massive undertaking. So a lot of artists would tell me that like, whenever they were like trying to get remotivated, they would just watch the trailer and read the comments on it, and that would be a motivating thing to, to go further, to push, their, uh, to push the craft, and usually yeah. avoid the comments on those things. Right. So uh, compared to <laughs> Obviously, it's 
a completely new style of animation, um, especially on the front end. On the back end, you know, maybe not necessarily getting into the techniques and stuff, but was there one particular moment you can recall, you know, during the production of Spider-Verse where you're like, wow, this isn't like working on Storks or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or something like that? Well, you know, honestly, I did have a similar feeling on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs because in its time, that felt like we were making something different from that one. And, and being able to feel like we're doing that, but just multiplied by 10 was pretty, pretty great. It doesn't feel like looking back at Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs, it doesn't seem so, but it was, it, but it was very different from what the kind of movies mm-hmm. were being made by Disney and, and things like that. And then now I think it's been a big influence on a lot of other things. Um, this production, I guess what you're saying is it, there wasn't one thing. And like we were asked to throw, I say we lived with fear for a long time. I, I mean it. We threw out a lot of the conventions and worked um, pretty hard to solve a lot of things. There wasn't one. Usually in these movies, you push, like, okay, this is going to be the one where we really work on hair or fur or water or do make skin look all the... There's an element you're pushing. There's a thing in the world you're pushing that's going to be... Because it's such a challenge to do anything, and, it's, it's, um, and everyone's got such really refined trade skills on all of these paths. It's hard to overhaul everything but that was exactly what the ask was and it was because it was an ask coming from the very top and from the very beginning it is the only way it was possible did that answer your question it does yes okay one of the things uh that i know i really enjoyed and i think went really well is that you guys almost had um I don't know how to put this. It was almost like a mixed media feel in that the different characters had their own animation styles. Like Spider-Ham yeah. had that kind of Looney Tune feel to it. Yeah, um, you're 100% right. Are there any, I don't know if you could say, like, is there any other things you toyed with of trying to do? Like any other animation styles? I know fans have thought it would be almost interesting if you could put like a real like, film version of Spider-Man in there and somehow, like, I don't know how that would work technically, but are those things that you guys batted around in, to any degree? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the for some of the um, look of entertainment folks were looking at on TV screens, the people debated whether or not, that, well, that maybe that should be live action, or like maybe the newscasters and things like that would be, or if they were watching other, like, entertainment, like what the animation looked like in their world, or there was boardroom ideas, those are discussed. But so much of this is so hard to pull off at all, and we had so many looks to already achieve. There weren't too many, um, uh, like there weren't characters on the cutting room floor, other than at the very, very, very beginning, when we first were really, really um, just throwing things against the wall of what is this going to thing be at all. We the, uh, some of those first test shots were fairly realistic, and at least dipping more that direction and we pulled back from that a great deal because we realized that was going to really limit our ability to exaggerate and entertain and we were we're just going to be it was too close to that one end of the spectrum so i think as a whole that was one thing we uh, we realized we didn't want to any be anywhere near the uncanny valley and we just pulled way back from that 
Um, other than that, we f- figuring out how to h- get Ham and Penny and Noir and all these other characters to live in the same, in, like look good next to each other in the same shop, but be obviously from different worlds. That um, that we we didn't even get much time to to research it. We really it was it was such a massive undertaking, sorry, undertaking that it just had to work. So we just we we swung for the fences, and we were really 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 we got lucky with how um, how um, that landed. I'm kind of interested. Well, one, I mean, I was, one I... thing we did do just to make them just one thing we did do as well is we built them differently. Like we knew, we knew like this desire from the penny to be from an anime world. We knew that from the beginning and that when we knew Ham's origin and that we, we knew that desire that they're going to be separate. So we built them so they couldn't be the same. They, their features, their face and body are all engineered. When I talk about how we build them, they're, they're engineered so that they can't be moved the same way. So that helped that process too. Um, I don't know. I don't have enough technical knowledge to know if this question will make sense, but did, was there ever technical like limits? Like I'm assuming most animation is done to be sort of stylistically the same. Was it actually, was there any mm-hmm. like technical problems getting these things to work together? Did you guys have to invent a thing or yeah. two to kind of make this stuff work? <laughs> a, a lot. <laughs> so the, so the two that, that's kind of the biggest in my mind that that uh, we had to deal with in animation the most. Now I'll say there's three huge ones. So you've seen you're saying that they, um, you've seen that we animated on twos, which is like a uh, which is like a term for which reminds people more of traditional animation, the hand draw feel, where it was 12 frames per second instead of 24. So we did a lot of that. And we just modulate in and out of that to taste when we like to. So it's not literally only half the frames. It's just we we did that artistically when and where we wanted to as much as we wanted to. Um, but in which I think was a huge um, uh, uh, catapult into a lot of what our look is. It helped us really push posing more. It really helped us clarify edges and get really designy with the smears. Um, and it really just feels graphic. I think people... It, 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 it takes like a second or two to get used to, and then once you're just watching it that way, your mind's filling in all that, all the rest. But that that one big decision we made early on caused all these other challenges because we're so used to making movies what is this one way. We've been doing it for decades this this one way um, that things like cloth and hair and simulation, things that require real world physics and math to work, uh, took a lot of engineering and interdepartmental work across uh, the process. Otherwise uh, you end up with like little explosions and cloth exploding in between, in, in between things. So them getting to get realistic sim, um, uh, simulations with half of the information they were getting, that was an engineering feat. And then another one that was pretty darn challenging was all of the line work. And that became such a, cha- uh, a challenge. We sort of shotgunned how we did it. It wasn't any one, silver bullet or answer there was a, each line could be applied in a different way so animators we could could draw and put in 3d space and actual around the character lines whenever we wanted to for special occasions and we ended up finding all kinds of reasons we wanted to do that as much as possible 
and there was lines we'd build into the rigs, ones we knew we would do a lot, say like squinting lines or like little mouth corners, these things that were just part of just key expressions we knew we would use a lot. So those were just, those were just engineered to be part of the character. And then the lighting and comping team could find, figure out ways to do edge detection lines. And then one of the really sciencey tech ones was the effects department, which is all a team of brainiacs. They used machine learning to be able to apply a library of hand-drawn lines to the characters based on head and camera angle. And it would just get smarter and smarter as things go along. They all needed to be hand-adjusted early on, but the more and more information you fed the machine, the smarter and smarter got predicting about where we wanted the lines to go, which was kind of fascinating. It feels, feels a little bit futuristic. And then one of, the, one of the biggest, scariest ones, also because of this look we wanted, it took us a long time to figure out how we we're going to make a camera move um, in this world. It was, we're so used to things being smooth. When the camera moves fast, it sort of blurs all of the background really fast. And we, because we wanted this graphic pop art, everything needed to be crisp, hard edges. Nothing could be blurry. Nothing could be soft. It doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel like it's made by hand. It could be, it was printed in ink. So how to get the camera to be able to move fast or even like an average speed, just camera move anything other than a subtle push in or push out or like a really slow track. That was a scary thing. We had to figure out a, 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 a pretty um, cool workaround. But once that was solved, that was felt like a champagne toasting moment. I'm guessing that I feel like, uh, I'm, throwing you have... I feel like I'm throwing a lot at you. Oh, no, no, that's great. You, you mentioned champagne. Uh, I, I'm guessing there's been a little bit of that in the last month or so. Um, obviously, you guys didn't think you were making a bad movie, but did you have any – like, at what point did you realize just where this would go? I mean, I think before the year started, when people talked about, like, say, Oscars or Golden Globes, they would have thought of, you know, the traditional Disney, Pixar kind of monster sequel yeah, movie. Yeah. And you guys have already I'll, I'll, won, I'll, some, I'll, won some of those, so I'll be tell, I'll be honest with you. Our head wasn't in that space at all. Like we were we were really just trying to make a good movie. We like and and everyone there was so many movies in this and so much story and so many characters and it was so complex. It took a lot of work, workshopping uh, to get that chemistry to feel right, and that. It doesn't take much for it to feel the story feel imbalanced one way for, for another one character or another, and a lot of that was eleventh hour. So we're living with this like pressure and knowing that this many people this many people pay are paying attention. It felt like absolutely everything mattered, and we had to put everything on the table. We there wasn't like oh this is a slam dunk and we know we have a good movie. I think there felt like we we're on a. I think we felt like the stakes were big, and we had a, a lofty goals, but I don't think we thought we were front running anything. So it was like the audience this, told, told us otherwise. That that was kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're still catching your breath from that process. I mean, I've read about, you know, you guys kind of finished it right in time to get it out. Uh, are yeah. you already starting yeah, like, to think about, sequels and doing this again or are you going to move on to something else where where are you at as far as your future with with more spider-man stuff per personally i don't know what i'm going to be doing next i'm just thinking vacation um 
I know the studio is thinking uh, the sequel. They're thinking they've 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 got their minds on on that. So that seems pretty exciting. But personally, I'm I'm just vacation right now. I I, I ended in um, the uh, the year and just taking a, m- a month or two off now. Awesome, Adam. Do you have anything yeah, else you want to ask? No, vacation sounds nice. <laughs> You deserve it. <laughs> um, no, I think... I'll, uh, I'll say... One thing, one other little tidbit I want to throw out there is that um, this was... When I say it's a, it was a massive undertaking, I'm really not exaggerating on any level. This required the biggest team we've ever had at the studio to make a movie. Uh, specifically in animation, it, by a large part, it was, over, it was slightly over 180 animators worked on this movie. And... At, at the um, for the entire production, I think the numbers I've been hearing are close to 800. So this was this was, and and some of the most talented, smartest people I've ever worked with all all grinded really hard, and I think everyone felt the pressure. We knew again, there's a the fan base is strong, and then we knew people really really cared, and it was um, to put that much work into an animated superhero movie with as an artistic passion and for it to be pushing the medium of art. I think everyone, we knew that that was a special opportunity. It all landing successful and being a, a really good movie that people really responded to this. Well, we didn't really know that we, we, but we knew we did clearly see it was an opportunity to push the medium. That doesn't and it is a rare, often. it is a rare opportunity to get a studio release for a superhero. I mean, there's lots of superhero animated stuff that happens, but not much of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of home release stuff. So. I think that was a that was a that was a genius decision that came from the very top very early on. I wasn't involved in that kind of thing, but I'm so glad they did. For me, this did is you have, a dream project. Did you have uh, just to help? You talked about how many people were involved. To for our listeners, how long? Like how many? years of your life was this movie? I mean, how long did you work on this before you, you wrapped up on it? I started early to six, uh, 2016 on it. So I, right as Storks was ending, I was starting on this one. Okay. So a couple of years that you've spent uh, yeah. thinking about yeah. Spider-Man. Kind I, of on top. I think, yeah, I think the, the script had been written a year prior to that. And it, but it didn't end up in like, uh, in my eyesight until a year uh, until that script had existed for a year. Did you have a particular character that was kind of your favorite to work with? Just, you know, that you enjoyed working, doing the animation for most? The, it's, it's funny. It's just going back and forth for the drama and performances. I think I feel like, uh, I battle, battle between uncle Aaron and Jefferson. Those performances are kind of incredible and their relationship with miles Miles is was the hardest because it's always the hardest with the lead character because they have to be so many things and and you can't exa- you can't exaggerate like you can with secondary and tertiary characters so you gotta you gotta really really be sincere constantly um, and I think that he was a really cool challenge I think for the medium of animation I'm most proud of being able to do those kind of weighty performances that feel dramatic um but as from it 
from a nerd engineer fun side of animation, I am really proud of Penny Parker and and him. But honestly, behind the scenes, Penny was a was a trickier one to pull off, and and we didn't have any time to explore. So that was that felt like a um an engineering win, and I think I, I personally learned a lot from that. Is that a good, well, I think good that's answer? the question. No, kind of just, it kind of just did everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. Yeah, I mean, I, when you're talking about Miles, I think one of the things that was probably tricky, I'd assume, is like Miles is new to it, and so he has to have a certain kind of clumsiness and, in, you know, like lack of familiarity with his powers, but it still needs yeah. to be cool and Spider-Man-y. And so how to make somebody exactly. smooth like Spider-Man but also – a little klutzy, I think, would be kind of. I, I imagine that was an interesting challenge. It's it, it's true, and then when you and when animators hear that term klutzy, and uh, it's really easy to fall into those tropes and those stereotypes of like clumsy leading character that is going to bump the way through it, and and not exaggerating that was a really right. tight uh, a, a tight rope to walk because we didn't want it to say, oh, this this movie is just for kids, y'all. It it really needed to feel. I think you said the right word. Cool, like that aesthetic of cool is one of the most elusive things, and and trying to maintain that while still being entertaining and fun and that that not being restrictive. That's what makes it, makes the decisions you do with his performances really hard. Luckily, the um, uh, directors and specifically Popper Sacchetti has a really good uh, aesthetic and uh, and is almost allergic to uh, corny. So I think that was was great to have in the room for that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving us the time today. I mean, we both loved the movie, and I I think you guys are getting a lot of well-deserved praise for it. And so I'm just excited for you guys and your team that you're getting the recognition, and uh, we look forward to seeing more of it, uh, whether you're on the project or not. You know, uh, we definitely appreciate what you put into it because we enjoyed watching it uh, as fans. So thank you very much. It was such a pleasure to talk with you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great day. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, We're going to go ahead and do uh, a main conversation in that uh, we have not yet uh, gone ahead and previewed 2019. We usually do that early on in the year. Since we have content dropping on Friday with Punisher, we thought we would look ahead to the calendar year and talk a little bit about what we're excited about, what we're not. Uh, I think we'll do this pretty quickly because we already talked about a bunch of this earlier in the show, uh, but that's just the nature of these things. So uh, first up, we have Punisher obviously dropping this Friday. We reviewed that in a relatively spoiler-free manner last week. Have your guys' thoughts changed at all on Punisher in the last week since we talked? Nope. No. I've seen a couple more episodes. I'm... S- I'm still liking it. I, I think Oof. I may be the uh, the dis, the dissenting optimist on this one, which is unusual. You're, you're in the, the part right now. You're in the bad part of the season. So if you like it now, you'll probably end up loving it. But you've seen, I mean, you've seen through three, which is amazing. Yeah. And you're not that far past it. You're only at like four, right? I just finished. I've been through five. Okay. So, right. you know, uh, I just saw the... Uh, this isn't a spoiler. It's in the trailer. I just saw the gym fight, the Russian gym. Uh, I'm liking it. I One of my big things is even if it's slow, I'm okay as long as the characters don't seem like idiots. 
And thus far, nobody's okay. done something idiotic. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And it's coming out this week. Also coming out sometime this year. And I just figured I'd slot it in here. Jessica Jones season three. Um, I don't think, do we know anything about this? Do we just ignore it when it came out? Like, I feel like this show is such an afterthought at this point. I don't know anything about season three of this whatsoever. We saw when they started filming, we saw some stuff of Trish with superpowers. So we know that it'll have some Hellcat. Okay. Um, I know it'll have some Brett Mahoney. Oh, good. <laughs> right? Right? Like, after Punisher, I don't care what you guys think of Punisher, you will want more Brett Mahoney. I don't think we know much more than that. You think they would drop it the same week of Captain Marvel with International uh, Women's Day? Women's Day again? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they would. <laughs> It's a terrible idea. They probably would do it. And just so, I mean, we're on the record. I mean, so Punisher comes out Friday. It's very well possible that it will be canceled before we can even do our talk through. That's right. As you listen to this, the show may have already been canceled. We'll see. I, I'm i telling you guys, I'll, I'll, I will not at all be surprised if it gets renewed. I'm, I'm just... I, they had a premiere for Punisher, right? They did like a small little premiere party for Punisher, didn't they? Which they did not do for Iron Fist, Luke Cage, or Daredevil most recent seasons. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think it's the show that makes the most sense for them to renew because this show can continue forever as just like a spy espionage thriller. Like it doesn't even have to hardly be a comic book show for them to continue it. So I could see it, but Pete Castiglione in Michigan. I want that show. If they really want to stick it to people, they should cancel it Friday night after they released it Friday morning, you know, just put it out at 3 a.m. on Friday. And then by five o'clock that evening, you're like, you know what? Forget it. We can't oh, I totally anticipate a press release in my inbox by the time I wake up Friday morning. It's like canceled. No, I agree with you. I mean, out of all of the shows, it clearly is the one that's most likely to get renewed. I don't know how we got to, back to Punisher from Jessica Jones. But yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in seeing Jessica and Hellcat and how that works out. I'd like to see that story come to good closure. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of hope left. I'm going to watch it because I want to watch all of it. But uh, Jessica Jones, I have been thinking about this week. That second season dived Jessica so far down on my rankings overall. The first season was so good, but the second season was so bad. It, yeah. Agreed. Um, But I mean, they've been on a roll. I mean, even Punisher, while we haven't, like, had a glowing review of it, it was a good season. It just struggles. Um, They've been on a roll. I mean, if Melissa Rosenberg was still, like, showing up for Jessica Jones, knowing she had her eight-figure contract to go to when it was over, they might have something really awesome. Jessica Jones might rock. All right. Next on our calendar is March and is Captain Marvel. Um, I think we talked about Captain Marvel a lot lately um, in all of the uh, news over the last you know couple of weeks and the last couple of episodes. Can't think too much more to say. It's kind of a preview. Uh, 
I think that the real interesting question will be just how Endgame tied it is. Because I don't think Marvel wants to make it so you feel like you have to see Captain Marvel to see Endgame. Because they don't want to hurt Endgame's, you know, box. Like, they've been careful with these things to make them serialized but not be too tight. But um, I think for the fans, I mean, that's that's one of the pieces that really hasn't been revealed yet is just exactly how the plot pushes us towards Endgame solutions. I hear it has a cat. All right. That's our Captain Marvel talk. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming up soon. So we will we'll have more uh, thoughts on it. Obviously, it comes out also this spring. I've inserted at this point Cloak and Dagger season two. Um, oh, the spring. Yeah. I mean, last time they said winter and it came out in June. So maybe they're talking about Australian spring, in which case it'll be, you know, I don't know, October. But I think it'll come out sometime uh, in April or May. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how we felt about Cloak and Dagger. Uh, it surprised, I think, all of us. Is it does it have the opposite problem this time that now that we had a really good season of it, we're gonna have too high expectations for the second one? I don't think so. I mean, I, my expectations aren't super high. Um, I mean, obviously, there's always chance of uh disappointment and stuff, but. Uh, I mean, I don't have any reason to believe it's gonna flop, I guess. I have no idea. I mean, I think, you know, um, sophomore season, it um, it's really hard to do a good second season. So, um, but they seem to have a plan. And I'll be in for it. I am kind of bummed about how Runaways ended because we had talked about like crossover but Runaway season two ended in a place where it's not remotely ready for a crossover. Does that make sense? Like if, if Runaways had had some kind of closure to the end of their season, I might've thought like, Oh, maybe they'll pop up in Cloak and Dagger. I have no hope for that. Now the best I can hope is that like Cloak and Dagger season two ends with them saying, Hey, let's take a road trip to LA or something. I want to see those shows together. I just don't see how it's happening quite. I mean, I could see Cloak and Dagger going on a road trip and ending up somewhere. Those two kids are independent and know how to live outside of their parents if necessary. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, they end up in California and Nico gives them homeless my makeup advice. I I'm not hoping for a crossover. All right. Next up on the calendar is going to be April. We've got Endgame obviously coming at the end of the month. Do you guys think it they possibly stick the landing. I mean, we talked last year about could infinity war possibly live up to the hype. And now Endgame has all of the 10 years of Marvel hype plus infinity war. I mean, it seems to me that they're bound to make somebody angry, right? Like, do you think that they can keep the, the winning streak going? I think Endgame's going to be essentially almost exactly like infinity war. It's going to have, a, I'm not going to say unsatisfying ending, but I don't think it's going to end all sunshine and rainbows, you know. Um, and that's where, like, Infinity War was good, but it did not make people happy. Right. I mean, and I think in game, same way. This, it's, it's the end, you know, it's the end of 20 plus movies, you know, we only know. Far From Home is the only movie afterwards. At this point, we don't know what movies are coming out next year for Marvel Studios, and that's pretty much unheard of 
you know, at least uh, since we've been doing this. Chances are, I mean, chances are it's going to be a very, very, very good movie. Um, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to upset people in the same way that upset people when Spider-Man got dusted. You know? I mean, I think it's probably inevitable someone or somebody does not make it all the way through. Um, so I think most people will be upset at that, rather the quality of the movie per se. See, I'm kind of expecting them to end it in a surprise way for us. Like, even, I mean, even, I think there will be some deaths, but I think they're going to be satisfying. Like, I think they know they have to give us kind of this heroic triumphant moment. I think they know that Thanos has to get his for what he's done. Um, I think there's going to be like the big group heroic shot. Like I think they, there's certain emotional things they have to do that they will do. It's just that it will then maybe end with sacrifice, but I can see it. I think it'll be a sweet ending. Like I, I could almost see somehow caps last scene is him and Peggy dancing and like, you know, the, like heaven's ballroom or something, you know, like, I don't know. That sounds really corny. You know, well, the top, but so you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. The, the, so I did write a bit on this. Um, Marvel releases these true believers reprints, which reprints key issues, first appearances and so on and so forth. And all of the true believers reprints they're doing um, in, in April have to do with infinity gauntlet or end game or something like that. Like one of them is how, you know, how Nebula gets the infinity gauntlet or how they defeat Thanos in infinity gauntlet on the early nineties run. And everything makes sense for the most part, but, but the one that stands out is Avengers 343, which is the first, um, story and a story, story arc called the gatherers saga. Um, which is essentially um, an alternate reality version of Black Knight gathers alternate versions of the Avengers. Um, Because, you know, comic books and they want to take over Earth 616 or whatever. Long story short, they have to end up picking and choosing which version of Cap or which version of Iron Man or which version of Thor from which reality still can remain because once they arrive in one reality they start dusting or their life has you know an increased expiration date i guess um did that make sense i just kind of went on a tangent there i mean i could see <laughs> yeah i get you. something like that happening in endgame you know obviously we see steve himself with two vastly different hairstyles so i can see something like Instead of time travel, I mean, we know the quantum realms should probably be a part of it. So maybe they take, go to an alternate universe and take, you know, Cap or, or something like that. Um, so maybe deaths in that way. Maybe Prime Earth Cap sacrifices himself, but then this Cap can keep living on, you know. Um, so I guess deaths in that sense. I'm half expecting that whoever dies dies as far as they like go into some sort of pocket universe or some kind of place where they can't come back, but it will leave open-ended that somewhere down the road, some, you know, Dr. Strange will discover a portal and open a hole and Oh, they're back and they're different actors, you know, like uh, maybe Marvel has the guts to totally kill off an IP like Steve Rogers 
but I'm kind of suspicious they're going to do something that feels like closure that they can undo 15 years from now to relaunch these franchises. But maybe I'm crazy. Coming up in June, uh, I assume June, I don't know exactly the release date. We're going to have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this summer. Are you guys excited about getting back into like the weekly S.H.I.E.L.D. review and all that kind of stuff? It's been a while. I am. I've been missing it. I've been missing it. Yeah. Just reminiscing last night. I mean, I I went back and watched Self Control that season or that season four pod two finale, and man, if Shield goes back to that type of story or if that quality, I I could keep watching that show for season after season. I mean, season five wasn't bad. Um, I will say this: I did prefer the pod type setup which we probably won't get with the 13 episode season and again we find ourselves with 13 episode seasons so there's that uh, they ended at such a good place that this long hiatus has been fine um and i think they'll really have to like win me over and get me all excited again and um i'm a little bit sad because signs are pointing towards no colson so i think it'll be a whole different world for shield um, I'll have to sort of fall in love all over again. But I'm, ex- I mean, like, but I'm not down on it. I'm just, you know, cautiously optimistic. Right. I mean, one thing I've totally forgot. I mean, there's a very real possibility that Coulson's actually dead. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something I guess I didn't. I haven't forgotten I mean, that. I, 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 watching season five, I'm like, oh, yeah, Coulson's dead. But, I mean, Coulson actually could be dead dead. Yeah. I'm hoping to talk with him in Chicago. Um, But I think he might be dead dead, which would suck. Yeah. At this point, I've come to love the character so much, though. Like, I care about the future of Fitzsimmons as a relationship. And I care about, like, I want to see Mac and Yo-Yo and Quake. Like, I love all of the characters on it. And so I don't even need Coulson to keep being interested in the show, which I think is a great credit to them because early on we were watching because of Coulson. All right. Two summer movies that are coming out. I'm just interested. Will you even go see them? So it looks like we're going to get dark Phoenix in June and then new mutants in August. Uh, Other than potentially me going, Hey guys, we need content. You have to watch it so we can review it on the pod. Would you watch this just all on your own? Well, if it's in the vein of Venom, I'll probably end up loving it. Um, no, I have zero interest in Dark Phoenix, man. They've done it so much. And did you read they released who dies in the damn movie? No, I've, 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 did you I've, see I've that? avoided it. We'll stay spoiler free here. I, I don't have any idea. No, I, I, no it's uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm more interested in New Mutants because it, it seems like a new, a new deal, a new flavor a new something the new movie from even the one they shot in the first place (laughs) right exactly it's been separate movies within the same production um what was the hashtag hashtag it's all something new mutants is all something rihanna do you have any interest in these movies uh not really but i might by the time they come out i might I, i who knows who knows are we really not going to get any regular Marvel movies after like July again? Yeah, until next May. Uh, There's not even a spring uh, one next year. 
Why? I like you. You refer to them as regular Marvel movies. It's like the Deadpool like joke, <laughs> right? Like a real Marvel. But we'll have the Disney stream, the Disney Plus stuff to try to you know kind of hold us over. I guess. What? And that's the cra- This could be. Who knows? Maybe Marvel Studios just closes up shop in the movie theaters and focuses on nothing but Disney Plus. Well, that's that's a good point. I, I you doubt did they're going it. to turn down the potential right, four okay, billion dollars they're going to make next year. I know, I know. Just chill out, all right. Um, that's there's going to be a year. We thought this was long now, but there's going to be a year, damn near a year between Far From Home and the next movie. It's too long, and the next uh, movie is Black Widow. We're about to stare yeah, into I'm, an I'm abyss ex- where we're like, oh. <laughs> I'm, get, right. I'm I'm watching Far From Home as the credits roll. Oh, I don't get to see anything again until Black Widow. And then after that, I get to see Eternals. Ooh. And what? Like, e- I don't, Eternals is November, right? Yeah. It's just, and they might be great. I'm not trying to poo-poo them. It's just, there's no sizzle. Like, if they had a Doctor Strange in that year, it would make me feel much better. I just am not, those properties are just not exciting to me. So, All right. Uh, as we mentioned, Far From Home also comes out this summer. I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. We talked about a lot on this episode. Just rewind to do our trailer talk. And then that's the only other thing is the Disney uh, plus stuff. We talked about that a lot today. We think, do we know, are we supposed to get Loki and Scarlet Witch and vision and cap and, or, and the Bucky Falcon movie? Like, are we thinking all of those are coming in the first, like at the end of this year or what do we don't know? Right. We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, I would get... And that's the thing. What's the last... I'm trying to remember how CBS All Access launched. Well, and I mean, it's not like the Disney... It's not like they're going to have four series on this whole streaming service. I mean, Disney's going to be bringing over the whole Disney catalog. I mean, you know, they have those movies kept in the vault, and they have... I mean, there's going to be tons of content on this service. I mean, we're going to get the whole MCU catalog sans the stuff on Netflix, right? Or are they not putting MCU movies? I think we'll have to see. I mean, like, there are some MCU movies. Like, I have a Star subscription, and there's some MCU movies there. Like, I think Far From Home, or not Far From Home, um, Homecoming Uh, is on Stars right now. Oh, Sony. Um, That makes sense now. I'm really interested to see what their approach is because Disney historically, at least with the animated stuff has been to create artificial scarcity. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that's not, I mean, my pitch, I would buy Disney plus until my kids are grown. If they had every Disney movie ever available for streaming all the time. Like to me, that's a huge selling point, but I don't know like how they feel about their home video business and these anniversary releases they do. There's just so much about the service. We don't know. Like we don't know what it's priced. We don't know. Like I was thinking earlier, how are we going to review these shows? Are they going to drop them on Fridays? Like most of the other streaming services, are they going to drop them? You know, like how are the shows going to go? Are they going to be week by week? Are they going to drop them all at once? We don't know any answers to any of that stuff. My guess is, do you guys think D23 is when they'll probably share all this information? When is that? That's in July. It's like two weeks or a week before Comic-Con. Yeah. 
so I mean, looking at that, I mean, July could be flipping huge, right? Because SDCC's after Far From Home, right? Yeah, but maybe they save it all for D23 and just say, screw you to True. San Diego. Right. Well, that could be very... It's a states... It's like it's domestic this year, right? Or How's that set up? It's every other year they do one here and one abroad? No, D23 they do every other year. And it's always in Orlando, I think. No, it's in Anaheim. Oh, it's in Anaheim. Okay, I'm sorry. Next to the other the other park. But yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, because it's, cause it's very possible, like, a lot of people for D23, like, you could go to California for D23 and stay for San Diego. I think, Adam, you might be thinking of uh, Star Wars Celebration is, like, every other year, and they do them all over the world. Like, they move it around, so... Um, Michael T. Ford also said in the live chat, and I've heard this other places, too, the other thought is that um, the first investor call after the Fox acquisition closes is where we'll get more details on on, D- on uh, Disney Plus. I think that may be true. I think maybe that content might be more about, like, pricing and stuff than maybe content, but we'll see. All right. Uh, only other things I have here is we'll probably get another season of The Gifted. I think we're going to get another season of Legion. Uh, at some point, I'm not sure if I've heard anything on that. Oh no, yeah, season three of Legion is guaranteed. Yeah, it's coming. Do you know? Do, do we have a date at all, though? No. So I mean, those are coming. I'm excited about both to a degree. I've been catching up on Gifted. I like it, but I don't think I have anyone to talk about to about it. So we'll have to uh, bring Sarah Sorry. back on. It really is a contraction year. Like when you think about a few years ago when we had like four or five Netflix shows going and we had Inhumans and we had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we had Runaways and we had Cloak and Dagger and there was talk about New War. Like there's been years where there's a lot more coming out in January than there is this year. The TV stuff really has contracted a bit, I noticed while putting this together. And the TV side could still have, I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns on the Disney Plus side, but I mean, Marvel Television could still have fall series that we don't hear about yet. I mean, it's really April, May that you start to hear about what's on the fall calendar. They could have, you know, other another network type show that's going to come out week to week that we don't hear about till April, May. Yeah, I mean, ABC supposedly is working on all kinds of things, so we can see if that actually happens or not. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath, but it could happen. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into the mailbag. Uh, Not a whole lot here this week. Um, In the live stream, Michael T. Ford had a couple of good questions. Oh, so Adam, here's the question for you in the mailbag. Uh, Which MCU movies would you say are better than Venom, Adam? Most of them. Like, oh no! The other way. Uh, which which movies would you put under Venom? I'm sorry, that's the better way to put it. Oh, under Venom. Uh, I did not like the first two Thor movies. Um, Iron Man three probably. Uh, and that's the thing. I I would probably put Venom as it stands now, thirteen, fourteen, fifteenth out of twenty one or whatever it is. Ugh, that high. I mean, there's definitely a handful of, like, the Thor 1 and 2 for sure. Probably Iron Man 2 and 3. 
Um, I did not like Ant-Man on the Wasp. I really didn't like Ant-Man on the Wasp. Um, I would say probably, um, I would feel comfortable saying 15th. I would rank it right around there, I guess. Maybe 16th. I just, I cannot go to this place. I just... (laughs) Yeah, but then again, you hate Thor Ragnarok, and I love it. Like, I would, Thor Ragnarok's a top three movie for me. Yeah, I know, I mean, I like Thor Ragnarok. Let me put it this way, Thor Ragnarok is significantly better than Venom, because every... Oh, I'll agree with you Every MCU movie is significantly better than Venom. Um... Also for the live chat, oh, it, Michael T. Ford was just kind of pointing out, and I, I think this is why I don't believe this Young Avengers rumor. If you notice, the Young Avengers rumor overlaps really well with all these streaming rumors. Like, mm-hmm. when you look at the cast, it's like, oh, Kate Bishop will be in a Hawkeye streaming series, and then in Young Avengers. And Vision will create a character, and then someone else. And then... um uh, oh, who else? Like, um, there's one or two other connections, right? Where like they would set up effectively the Young Avengers movie by all these Disney streaming um, stuff, which to me is a good argument for the Young Avengers isn't real. It was just some guy that started reading those Disney streaming rumors and then created a new rumor about a movie. So uh, over on the website, Blackfire, uh, apparently the, the floating head in Power Rangers is called Zordon. So uh, he he let us know that it was a little surprised that we could not come up with that. Sorry, I guess. Uh, is Zorg the bad guy in like Buzz Lightyear's villain, or is that the Emperor Zord? It's a word like that, right? I don't know. Anyway, are you talking about Korg? I know who Korg is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Love Waffle asked if we had any bold predictions for twenty nineteen. Uh, announcements, reveals, cancellations of anything other than Netflix, new warriors. Um, I don't have any bold prediction. I think, you know what I say at some point we will at this year learn about ABC doing something else with Marvel. I don't know if it'll be any good, but I think we'll get more news about something happening there. So, yeah, but we do that. I mean, that happens like every quarter we get, I mean, something firm, like they're going to, they're going to hire some people to do some stuff. I will say this, I do believe I am 60% sure, 70% sure New Warriors is a Disney Plus play. I'm more and more confident that that will be on Disney Plus. Oh, there we go. There's a big prediction. Bold. Which will be odd because it was Marvel TV, but then it would probably be produced by Marvel Studios. But if the higher-ups liked it as much as they said they did. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us a lot of ways. Uh, send us your messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate with our MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. If you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash MarvelNewsDesk. You can access our recent MCU debate episode that we did as our special annual episode for Patreon subscribers. That's the only way to see that. You'll also get early access to videos like the new Iron Man Supercut that's coming on uh, this weekend. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk or subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can help the show be more visible to others if you give us a five-star review on iTunes. Number one thing you can do is you tell your friends about the show and you listen to us, and we really appreciate that. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox 
And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music at The Skull School across a variety of social media platforms. Uh, that's all we've got for this week. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll do next week. I think we'll probably talk a little bit about Punisher, uh, but we'll we'll see. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs>